And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back with another episode of the Startup Hustle. Today's guest, or today's host, is me, Matt Watson. (laughs) And our guest today is Noah Labhart with Variable Ops. I'm excited to talk to him today about the future of manufacturing. Um, Before we jump into that, I do want to remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And I believe Noah can help you probably build a team quickly and affordably for manufacturing. So excited to talk to you about that today and learn more about a world that I don't know anything about, to be honest. So excited (laughs) to learn more about it. Noah, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for the intro and excited to be here. So I guess enlighten us about manufacturing. Like where do, where do we even begin? Sure. That's a, that's a, that's a big, broad topic, right? Manufacturing, right? Manufacturing, distribution, warehousing, supply chain. Um, we consider them all the worlds that we support. So at variable, we're, we're providing an on-demand marketplace for manufacturing labor. So we're kind of a gig economy for workers on the shop floor. And what you see in manufacturing right now is you see uh, a big skills gap. There are you know individuals that are getting close to retirement. There are younger folks that are not stepping into the manufacturing workforce. People are trying to find people to work. People are trying to find work and they can't connect. Um, and so, you know, what we do is not, not placement. What do we, we don't do temp staffing. We don't do things like that. We provide a technology marketplace that enables businesses to, to jump into a third labor paradigm, full-time labor, temp staffing, and then us on-demand labor. And that helps them to optimize their workforce. So let me ask you this. So the, the type of labor you're talking about, would that be considered skilled or unskilled, like just general labor? Or you're like, hey, I need a machinist today. Like, good question. How, how does that work exactly? Sure, good question. Primarily, it's unskilled. So the the way that we okay. the way that we talk to our businesses is is okay. Think about your operation differently. We tell a story about that. We we call it the orthodontist story. If you're an orthodontist and you're slammed, you have more work than you know what to do with. Are you going to go hire ten orthodontists, or are you going to hire someone to do the the billing? to do the scheduling, to take care of the office, all of the different things so that that orthodontist can focus on the orthodontist. So primarily the workers we have on the platform are unskilled workers, right? They do have skills. Some of them are welders, some of them are machinists, things like that. But the work that we really uh, is our sweet spot is something that you could hand someone a set of instructions and anyone could come in and do those instructions. Well, and, and honestly, that's what like Henry Ford gave the world, right? Was that assembly line kind of thinking of like, you know, all the skills it would take to build a car would require an immense amount of, of skill, right? But to like, okay, you put this one thing on the car and you screw in this bolt and then the next dude does something else, right? Like that's right. made it a lot simpler, right? So if you're following those sort of principles in a manufacturing process, it's a lot easier to bring people in and out, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you got the assembly line, right? But then you bring in forward with, with lean and with just in time and, and Mm -hmm. those sorts of ways of thinking where you're, you know, you're essentially flexing up and down everything in your process. And up until this point, there hasn't been a way to flex up and down your labor. And that's where we come in. We give you the ability to flex it up and down. So no longer is it a fixed expense. It's, it's a variable expense with your demand. So how did you get into this? What, what gave you the idea for this? Sure, sure. So um, I had started a mobile development agency, we'll call it that I was building digital startup solutions and was building a bunch of different types of solutions, and got the itch to build my own, right? Got got tired of doing the project work, got tired of building everyone else's dreams, wanted to build my own, but I was not the idea guy. So the idea did not originate with me. Uh, Talked to one of my tech founder friends, and he said, uh, and I told him, I was like, hey, look, I'm looking to build something, but I don't have any ideas right now. I just want to get involved. If you know of anybody, you know, make some intros for me, please. And he said, you need to talk to Mike Kinder. And Mike was a, a, a friend of his um, and a friend of his brother's, and we he's my partner. Uh, he went out and uh, w- was an operations guy, supported manufacturing for a long time, was a strategic a director of strategic operations at PwC. So he we went out to plants and basically solved problems, told people where the problems were. And he saw the future of manufacturing, saw where it was headed, and saw that if labor wasn't solved, then the rest of manufacturing wouldn't be able to go forward to this next wave of digital integration, digital factory, industry 4.0, all the buzzwords. And so we got connected. He pitched the idea to me. Um, Going backwards a little bit, I worked in the manufacturing plant as a college kid and during the summers, and so I understood the, the worker environment. And I also supported manufacturing from an IT standpoint, from a business standpoint on the shop floor. So I understood the inner workings of a manufacturing plant too. And he pitched the idea to me. I was like, this is going to work. This is the idea I want to go work on. Well, it sounds like a, a fun problem to solve. And you know, over the last several years, there's been kind of the Uber of everything, right? And and it's like you guys are like the Uber of this, you know, is one way to describe it. And there's, um, you know, we're primarily based out of Kansas City. But of course, thank you to everybody listening from all over the world. Um, in Kansas City, there's a company called Bungie. And they were like Uber for a dude with a pickup truck. Like <laughs> I went to the furniture store and my wife bought this damn thing. I can't get home. And they want $200 to deliver it next week. Or I go on my phone and like some random dude with a pickup truck shows up in like 15 minutes and they take it home for me for like $30. Mm -hmm. Brilliant idea because now I can laugh at everybody who owns a pickup truck because I already did that. And said, hey, why the hell do you need a pickup truck? I just go on my phone and I say, hey, dude, come get my crap. And they move it for me. Like, it's awesome. And a brilliant idea. But it was sort of like that. It was like Uber for pickup trucks. Like. Somebody shows up to help you move whatever it is you need to move. Like, it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I had heard of Bungie and it reminded me there's one in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth called Pickup. And, and it's, it's basically that. Your, your friend with a truck, your friend to move stuff, your, your, your big, strong, burly person uh, to come help you move the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy all the different things that exist out there. So the... The people that are using your product, are they using it to fill just kind of temporary? Like, oh, we normally have 100 people. We need to hire 20, but we haven't been able to fill the position. So they rely on your service to help fill those 20 or what, uh, less, how do they? Less so, 
Like what scenario do they usually use your service? Sure. It's a great question. So, you know, what you're describing is, you know, we really need 120 people and we can't fill those positions is more of a, a, an opportunity for temp staffing, right? Cause I need 20 more people on an ongoing basis where we come in is the week to week basis. Like, Hey, my sales team crushed it last week. Right. Yeah. And we've got 10 more orders. I'm not going to go hire 10 more people, right? Or five more people, whatever the amount of people is. Um, sure. I just need, I need five more people for this week. Right. Cause then demand's going to fall next week. Right. That's where we come in. We give the tools and the functionality in our platform to help you manage and, and essentially automatically calculate the on-demand needs that you have in your operation um, and bring people in on a week to week basis. And that's how we enable businesses to have that flexible capacity, flexible labor capacity. And that makes a lot of sense to me. And so do they, I'm just kind of curious, like what kind of premium would they pay potentially for using your service versus like, oh, I can hire somebody for $20 an hour, but instead I use variable, like what, what would the, I'm just curious what the difference would be. Sure. So, you know, our premiums are basically the low end of what you would pay for temp staffing, right? Temp staffing is generally between 30 and 60% on whatever hours or whatever okay. you know, time frame you're using. We, we are a 30% premium on the transaction. So, you know, if you pay someone a hundred bucks, we're, you know, we're going to charge you 130. Right. And so, but we also give the ability to, um, we enable businesses to do piecework ops as well. So if you want to pay someone based on how much their output is, then you can do that as well. I pay five, five bucks for someone to, to build a widget, right. And I need them to build 500 widgets and I don't care how long it takes you as long as you get it done in a day. It's not about the hours. Um, we enable them to be able to do that too. So, so any, none of these people actually work for you, right? So you're, you're just, you're just providing the marketplace and marketplace businesses are really difficult, right? It's like starting a dating website. Like you've got to have guys and gals or whatever, depending <laughs> on the type of dating website it is, um, or it doesn't work, right? You have to have buyers and sellers, you know, whatever, whatever kind of marketplace it is. So how, how hard is it for you from that perspective on a, on a, you know, I guess as you go from city to city, right? And I know Bungie had the same issue that I mentioned earlier. And, and they, you know, it's like, hey, we need truck drivers and we need to work out deals with like antique stores to promote us or whatever. Or they work out a big deal with Costco or somebody like that that recommends them. So, mm -hmm. but how do you juggle that marketplace side of this as you go like into new markets? Sure. I mean, I can tell you how we did it in the early days and how we kind of evolved that into how we do it now. Because you're exactly right. That's a big problem with marketplaces. It's the chicken, the egg problem. Do I start over yeah. here or do I start over here? And really, it's both. And it's two different audiences. Right. So the way we started in the early days, what we thought was, OK, businesses are going to get this immediately. Operations folks are going to get it immediately because it's a, an immediate value add. They're going to be a little bit easier to sell. So we focused a lot on recruiting workers onto the platform before we actually launched any businesses on the platform. And we, we started out in, in Dallas. Um, what we found was that was flipped. So the workers got it immediately. The workers understood the gig economy. They understood the type of work that was out there. They understood the using the apps for the most part, the technology. Um, but the businesses were like, hold on, you guys are new and I don't know you. And so mm -hmm. you're going to have to really educate me and sell me on why you're different from temp staffing, why you, you know, how you're going to solve my problems, et cetera. So we, we flipped. And nowadays when we go into, into newer markets, 
we sort of have the worker side. I don't want to say automated, but we have a, a very strong playbook to where we can get workers on the platform um, very quickly in new markets. And so we focus a lot on, okay, what businesses are we already serving? Do they have a footprint in the market? And if we don't have a ton of those, if we have some of those, let's activate them. If we don't have a ton of those, let's start targeting some businesses that we know and that we have case studies for and get them on board quickly. So it was really interesting in the early days. We had a, a, a flipped hypothesis on who would be easier to get on the platform. And we were, we were not correct in that. So the, so the employee side of this, the people that are working, are they usually people that are kind of in between jobs or they're, you know, they like driving for Uber, you know, at nights because it's busy at nights, you know, getting people home from the bar. But during the day, they do something like this. Like, who, who is like the target employee? It's a great question. You know, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of all over the, I'm going to say all over the map. It's kind of a few categories, right? It's the person you're talking about, right, that loves the gig economy. Right. And, and, and to be clear and to answer your question earlier, these are all 1099 contractors, no employees on the platform. Um, and so, so the, there's the, the individual that likes the gig economy, likes to drive Uber at night, works variable during the day, does Instacart when they can, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. They're really embracing the gig economy. There's the others that really need the flexible schedule that have worked in manufacturing a long time. I can't commit to working for a full-time company for, you know, eight to five or whatever shift it is through the week. I need to be able to work Mondays, Thursdays and Fridays and I can work Sunday night, you know, because I've got kid responsibilities, right? Or I got X, Y, and Z, right? So there's a lot of the platform that this fits their needs as well. The other is, is really kind of the cash constrained individuals as well. So we early days, we had people coming to us saying, Hey, I want to come work on the platform, but I don't have gas money to get Mm. to the work tomorrow. And so in the early days we would, we would drive out to meet people and be like, here's some money for gas. You know, please keep using the platform. And, and so cash constrained individuals work our platform as well because we pay them daily. So if they work an op on Tuesday, they get paid the next day at 11 o'clock. And so we make sure that cash is, is to them quickly. So I'm curious about what, what do these people make? And I'm, I'm obviously it varies from Kansas city to Dallas to you know different markets, sure. but I'm just curious, what, what are they, if I decided to sign up for this tomorrow, uh, what, what am I going to make? Sure. The, the average op pay kind of right now, it does fluctuate based on the, on the, the market you're in, but it's around mm-hmm. 15, $16 an hour. Um, so okay. if you equate it to that, it's about 15, $16. So an is hour. it, we, so, so if I, uh, told my, my nephew today who needs a job, like, Hey, you don't have a job, go, you know, look at doing variable. Would he be able to do enough work potentially that it would be sort of like a full-time job for him or. Absolutely. Or if, it, if he's in, if he's in Kansas unpredictable, city, Sure. No, it's a great question. So if, if he's in our markets that we're in, so we're not across the U.S. yet, we're expanding to the yeah. rest of the United States over time, but the markets that we're in are, are where we are right now. We actually just launched Kansas City. So if your nephew is with you in Kansas City, um, that there would be enough work on the platform for him to string together a full-time job. And he would be able to not only do that, uh, work for diverse, different companies, learn different mm-hmm. skill sets, learn different mm-hmm. environments, and really kind of build out a resume, especially if this is the industry he wants to be in. Well, and I would, I would think for somebody like him, you know, what kind of perceived risk do they have of like, I don't really know if variable is going to have work for me to do next week. So am I still looking for another job? Right. They're like, does that erode at your ability to be able to provide staff because your staff is always concerned that they don't know if there's a job next week, you know, like how does that sure. like perceived risk for them? 
That's a great, that's a great point to bring up. And, and it's sort of back to the chicken, the egg problem. You know, the more work that we get on the platform from the businesses, uh, the, the less, you know, likely that there's churn on the platform, that there's people, uh, there's people not available to work. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, there are some individuals that, that do feel that risk a bit, you know, that, you know, perhaps the, there either is less work on a platform in a newer market, right? And that, that happens, you got to grow a market. Um, but that's then also, demand. that's right. That's right. And then also though, when there's a lot of workers on the platform, uh, and there's, you know, not as many businesses, then the high performers, the high rated workers, and the people that have done a lot of ops on their platform are getting first pick, right? And the people yeah. that are in a business's sort of uh, labor pool, which we call your labor pool, it's basically their favorites list. They get mm-hmm. first dibs on the on the work. So people getting on the platform in an established market have to really work hard to maybe maybe take a haircut on the on the off. Somebody like, has like okay. a rating rating That's review right. system for each employee. That's right. The and type and of they work may, they did or what have you. Totally. And there's a bidding system as well. So like if someone's saying, I'll pay you a hundred bucks, be like, Well, I'm trying to get started, I'll do it for ninety, right? And get a good rating, get in good with that business, and then you build up your profile. I love it. So I'm, I'm in the process of remodeling my house and like our general contractor, we needed to do demo like my old kitchen and he just put an ad on Craigslist and said, Hey, for 20 bucks an hour, you know, I need a bunch of people to do this. Like just general labor people. I was actually blown away by how many responses he got mm-hmm. just by posting on Craigslist of like, we need people to demo a, you know, a house remodel. It was crazy. He had like yeah. an unlimited amount of people. Um, but I mean, $20 an hour isn't a crazy amount of money, but some of the guys that were doing this, they were like, you know, weren't making a lot of money doing whatever they're doing or they're in between jobs or whatever. And it was sort of Mm -hmm. variable sort of thing. Right. Um, and there's a lot of people out there. It, it seems like that are always floating from one job to another and one thing to another. And, um, you know, this is another great opportunity for people to do stuff. And, um, I talk to people all the time, you know, like, Oh, I, I was a digital marketing strategist or what specialist or whatever. And they lost their job. And they're like, I drove Uber for the next six months. And mm-hmm. they're like, I'm trying to hire them as a digital marketer again. Right. And like they were <laughs> doing Uber and like some of them make a lot of money. Like they make a pretty mm-hmm. decent amount of money doing this stuff that, and they, they probably really come to enjoy the freedom, right. Of mm-hmm. like, I can work whenever I want or what have you. And um, I mean, you got to love it, but at the same time, aren't you guys, how do you guys deal with fighting against the trends of, you know, how you provide benefits to them or unions and all that stuff? Like how do you know, just like Uber does and other similar companies, how do you have to kind of deal with that crap? Sure. No, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, w- what we've seen so far, and we're, we're still fairly young in our, in our, you know, days, we're not Uber size. We haven't been around um, for, for that long, but what, what we have seen is that individuals on our platform stick around and they keep their profile and they use it when they need to. Um, some of them use it full time, but if they say if they get a full time job or something like that, they they stick around, and keep their profile because they want to return to it. Um, as far as the unionization and, um, and and things like that, you know, we pay close attention to the legislation out there. Out there, and you know, we're we're affected by the rulings, and um, you know, we pay attention to a lot of what's going on in California with with. Uh, Prop 22 and and all the, all the things right around the the Uber full time workers and things, um, and so that affects us, um, you know, from a from an operating standpoint. But what we've seen is that our, our workers on the platform 
um, this really doesn't affect the unions. This really doesn't affect when, when I say unions, well, so, I mean the manufacturing unions, right? Well, so what, I mean, one question I have for you, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know a lot about manufacturing or unions, but, mm-hmm. um, do you have some clients that are union, you know, union shops or whatever you want to call it, where then they're also using your service and bringing mm-hmm. in, you know, kind of temporary work that are non-union people. Mm-hmm. Is that a common scenario? So it's not, it's not a common scenario. It's I not. can't think of one that we have right now. Um, we have talked to some folks and they've said, okay, um, yeah, we don't think this would be a problem, but I, I don't know that it's been, um, it's been something we've had to really address yet. Uh, when we, when we hypothesize around it, right, I guess should, should say mm-hmm. better. Um, it, what we feel is like, this really should be supportive of the unions. Like, okay, you want to go do some work elsewhere and earn, earn a, a little bit extra cash. Uh, and we're going to kind of keep the status quo here <laughs> for the union. Fine. Great. Yeah. Um, that's not affecting what we're doing here. So, uh, there's a little bit, a little bit of hypothesizing there, but I suspect we'll run into that in the, in the future. Yeah, I guess I, I just have this this thought in my head of like it's a union company and the union's on strike and it's like they brought you in to to provide the labor while the union's on strike or whatever is what I'm thinking <laughs> in my head. Yeah, yeah, we, you know we we um, we have talked about that scenario. I think there was a there was an Amazon strike going on and we talked about do we have a play here? Do we have a play to go help? We, yeah. we weren't ready. We don't have a playbook for that yet. Um, but I think at some point there is, there's an argument for that. It's like, okay, you guys want to go on strike. There's other ways for us to get work too, you know? So there's, there's tricky, well, and, there's tricky and, things with unions, you know? And, and, and no doubt you have people that will listen to this. They're pro union or against a union or whatever. And everybody yeah, has a yeah, different sure. opinion, but in, in anything that happens like, okay, so-and-so is on strike. Somebody benefits from it on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. Just like a nuclear, you know, or, um, a tornado comes through. Yeah, it's bad. It's tragic and all this stuff. But the people who do home remodeling are super excited, right? Like there's yeah. always somebody on the other side. And like even with the the war in Russia, with Russia and Ukraine right now is terrible for a million reasons. Absolutely. There are other people highly benefiting from that, right? Um, there right. are other industries that, for example, software developers, you know, our company FullScale. And again, this, this episode is brought to you by FullScale.io. We help you build software teams quickly and affordably. You know, because there are so many software developers in Eastern Europe, now, a lot of companies don't want to hire software developers there because of the conflict or their team is just gone, right? Like they had amazing, talented developers in Ukraine and there's lots of them. And, and we actually have an employee in Belarus who's phenomenal. Mm. Now we have people knocking on our door trying to find software developers because they lost their team or whatever, right? And it's just to say it, right. it's a tragic event, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not our goal to profit on it or any of that. But in those in these types of events, there's always somebody on the other side that inevitably like get some benefit from it, right? It's yeah. like the giant mortgage foreclosure in 2008. Like whatever company like got paid to go clean up foreclosed houses made a killing, right? Yeah. Like there's just always, there's just always that side of it, but. You're, you're right on. And I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, just to, to be clear, we're not pro-union or anti-union either. We're, we're pro-economy. So and exactly aligned with what you said, someone benefits if, if someone's holding out on work and that just kind of is how it plays out. Well, I mean, you're, I mean, you got to help both sides, right? You're like, hey, we're, we're here to help the employer. It doesn't matter if the employer is a union shop or not. We don't care. And mm-hmm. we want to support people looking for work that need a job. So, I mean, we're, we're just trying to help everybody here. How do we? Yeah, we're the matchmaker, right? right? Like, Absolutely. Really Pro-economy. We're just the matchmaker. <laughs> so, to get this thing off the ground, did you guys have to raise any capital? Was, was this a 
Have you guys had to raise a lot of money? So we haven't had to raise, <clears throat> excuse me, we haven't had to raise a ton. Um, we have, have strung together five seed rounds. We, we've actually closed our Series A. We closed our Series A last, last year. We strung together five seed rounds to really establish the first four years or so. Um, and, and now with our Series A, we've Wait a raised... second, this wasn't an overnight success? <laughs> exactly. No, absolutely not. It's surprising, right? So you're saying this shit's hard. You know, you know. I think that that's surprising to some people, right? <laughs> it's a it's a four it's a four year four year overnight success. Exactly, that's exactly that, right. I mean, no nobody realizes how hard this is and all the work that goes into building the software, perfecting the go to market strategies. Mm. You know, all that stuff. Like, no nobody appreciates the hard work except the people who've been through it. Like you and I, like we've been through this and we we have like scars from it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt. You know, we were very lucky in those, those five seed rounds, our investors stuck with us. So those five seed rounds were done by the same kind of five investment groups that, that invested in us early. Um, and then we added one more player with our series a, um, and we have a fantastic board, a fantastic supportive set of in, in investors that really see the vision. Um, so series a really allows us to get out and sprint span across the rest of the United States and build the next, you know, next vision start establishing the next vision we have for the product so do do you see you guys having to raise some more money in the future to continue to expand in other markets like is it a, is that an expensive a really expensive thing it's like oh we need a couple hundred grand to seed every new market or something is that a big sure uh, that's a good question. It's not as expensive as as you know it might seem. We, we do we are pretty people heavy. You know we're 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 very um, bullish on having the right people in the market to help tell the story and help educate those businesses. Um, and so that's the primary expense uh, when we deploy these new markets. It is you know a handful of dollars to bring on four people ish to start a market and then start building it. Um, and so that's really where our our money goes. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. really where our series a came in and helped fuel this. So we're, we're expanding across the rest of the United States now over the next couple of years. And, uh, that's our primary goal. And that's where a lot of the funds are that we, uh, funds are going towards that we raised. So how do you see this, you know, impacting kind of the future of, of manufacturing? Like, do you, do you, do you foresee more and more manufacturing jobs coming back to the U S I mean, as we, we seem to have these economic fights with of course, Russia right now, but also the likes of China and, and others. Mm -hmm. And it seems like there's more and more of a push to try and bring, you know, manufacturing back. But at the same time, it seems like there's a major labor shortage. Mm -hmm. And like, how do you, how do you see that, that, you know, future of manufacturing playing out in the United States? Sure. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on in manufacturing right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's a lot going on in manufacturing right now. Um, you know, bringing it back stateside, I think, is is something that is happening um, because of the you know the the global you know socio political things going on, right? Yeah. And the supply chain issues, right? And yeah. all, all all those things out there, it's coming back because I think people realized, okay, I took my my manufacturing operation, I put it over in you know X country, right? And I saved a half a percent or a percent on my bottom line, but I created all these problems, right? I, mm -hmm. I, I say I created all these problems, like it caused all these problems. And now there's all these headaches with the supply chain with anything goes awry, then I really don't get that 1% savings. So I think people are starting to say, okay, it really wasn't that it's really not worth it. Right. And so having it in, in this, in the States creates jobs, it creates 
efficiencies. It creates um, just a, a much better situation. So I think that's a big part of what we believe is coming back. Now, where manufacturing is going, though, is is more towards, uh, you know, a lot of what's been created by the Amazon effect, right? It's it's customers are are wanting, you know, their specific order. They want it tomorrow. They want it custom. You know, they want yeah, more custom right? than ever. Absolutely. And, and so manufacturers and distributors and warehouses have to be able to respond to those demands because that's, that becomes the de facto what people are looking for. So in, able to, in order to do that, they have to evolve into a more digitally savvy factory, a digitally savvy um, place to do, you know, just to distribute product or store product. And that includes labor. And so, you know, you have to be able to um, customize. You have to be able to just in time your materials and your inventory and your people and be lean and all that sort of thing. So that's where it's headed. And it's headed towards a more digitally connected factory. So I, I mentioned that I'm remodeling my house and we picked out new countertops for the kitchen and we had a installer figured out. And then just randomly, the installer said, oh, we're out of business. And <laughs> man, which blows my mind because it seems like the economy is hot and they were really big and doing a lot of business, but they could have went out of business because of the labor shortage, mm -hmm. right? Like if they're fixed cost, say that, oh, we need 30 installers, you know, working all the time. And then, you know, that covers our fixed costs, but they can't get enough installers. Mm -hmm. Then they ultimately can't stay in business, right? Just like with manufacturing. It's like, oh, the, we've got to manufacture X number of widgets. If we don't have the labor needed, mm -hmm. we're screwed. Like we, we, the business is not viable. Right. And so, you know, potentially you have a huge piece of that that you can help support and fix that problem, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you can tap into a new labor pool. That's absolutely right. Yes. And so combining the ability to bring in labor as you need it with the thinking about your operation differently, where you're focused on your full-time workers are your specialized workers. And that's, that's a different problem, mm -hmm. right? Labor shortage, specialized workers, it's a different type of problem. That, that's not the one we're, we're trying to solve. What we are solving, though, is that uh, need for, you know, specific or, or really for headcount on a week-to-week -week basis to allow people to, you know, complete those instructionable tasks, right? The people to, to yeah, come in and, and... You don't want the CEO out there uh, packing boxes and loading the truck because you're shorthanded, right? Like... That's right. And inevitably, that's probably what happens these days, right? Like you're just doing whatever you can do to help. But if you can, mm -hmm. you know, use variable and you can get somebody in there to load the truck, doesn't require a lot of, you know, training. It's like we just need people. We need people, right? That's exactly right. That's absolutely right. And if you, you set up your operation right, you can really optimize, optimize your operation around that. So is there opportunity for you guys to expand into other other industries like the one that I keep thinking of is just like general like construction like general like construction labor Would, sure wouldn't that be real similar sure so um it's a great question we actually get it a lot the, the core marketplace which is just you know people and bids and and work mm -hmm. opportunities that is very very those the type of uh the type of functionality around that is very it could be pretty um it could transfer to other industries. What we're building on top of that, though, is specific for the industrial environment, right? And it's specific for manufacturing. It's specific for that week-to-week -week calculation based on your demand. Um, and we're, we, we're surfacing operational insights. We're surfacing things for manufacturing specifically because that's what we know and because that's, mm -hmm. that's the industry that, that we know and love. Now, that being said, we have considered, you know, maybe – 
building our platform in such a way that's easily easily licensed for other you know individuals that want to go take on that that vertical. So, you know, um, mm-hmm. I have some friends that um, that are, have built a company called Sadian Health. They're not licensing our platform, but they're trying to solve the nursing shortage. They're trying to have mm-hmm. on-demand nurses. Um, and then you know, there's there's other individuals that are doing other on-demand worker things. And so you know, if our platform was licensable, we could say, hey go address your market, you can use our marketplace, right? You can use our background check functionality, our, our worker payments functionality and things like that. Pay us whatever dollars. So it's something we've kicked around. Yeah. It seems like there would be a lot of different, um, different kind of market, like verticals for this, this type of solution. Do you guys have competitors for what you do? Sure. That, that's a great question. So n- not direct, but overlapping. So we we compete primarily with tech-enabled staffing. So there are temp staffing firms that have created technology around uh, temp staffing. So they they serve a much broader market. Some of the some of the ones that kind of come up in comparison are like Wanalo, um, which is actually our, our primary one that that we look at. But Wanalo serves a, a much broader niche. Um, you know they they have pizza delivery drivers. They have um, you mm-hmm. know, retail workers, they have, you know, things like things like that. And they also are trying to support warehousing in a specific way. We're all in on the industrial environment. So we really niche hard and understand and coach mm-hmm. on how best to use that environment. Um, and so, you know, they're kind of primarily those types of individuals are our primary competitors, but no one's really trying to attack the industrial environment like we are. So I actually invested a few years ago in a company called, uh, pop-up bookings, uh, mm-hmm. pop bookings. And, um, I just thought of that, but it was actually very similar for events. And so mm-hmm. like trade shows mm-hmm. and stuff, you're like, Oh, I need, I need a cute guy or gal to come hang out in my booth and attract people to my booth. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you pay event staff for that, or you pay event staff to come like set up an event or, or if you're Red Bull and you want to pay cute guys or girls to go out to the bar and promote Red Bull, like there was like a different kind of same mm-hmm. sort of thing. It was like on-demand staffing, right? And mm-hmm. um, it was sort of part of the gig economy. And people don't realize like how many different types of jobs there are out there like that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a massive market out there. The, you know, there's a job that we we use to to sort of bring people on the platform as well. Not a huge traction point for us, but it's called Steady, and it basically lists all the gig economy apps out there and links to their apps. And hmm. um, for, there's got to be how many of them are there? There's a ton. I'm not even sure, and and they've been growing yeah. too. So I think they're I think one of their primary investors and in at least the the face of their company is Shaquille O'Neal. So they get a lot of a lot of traction so a lot of traction from him. Here's what we're gonna do next. We're gonna create an app that you sign up for, and then you can work for any of the gig economies. Perfect. Is there a thing for it. that? <laughs> not yet, <laughs> not yet. Um, but we we hope to build something in the future for a way for workers to get paid on any gig economy app. Uh, we 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 just released our our um, our solution called Vault, which is what how we pay our operators, and we have uh, visions of grandeur to take that out and and enable gig workers to get paid on that, um, and it's essentially an embedded bank account into a gig economy app. So, do you have to do you have any concerns with your your you know the employee employee side of it that show up at these employers and and do this work for a couple of days or whatever, and then they try and hire them full time like. Do you like forbid them from doing that or do you just like charge them like a staffing fee or like, oh, for a thousand bucks, you can just hire them full time? Well, sure. That's a great question. How do you deal with that? 
So in the early days, we we thought about that, and 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 we even you know got into some conversations with businesses about that. Um, and I think it was more prominent then because our work our our operators count was was lower. Um, but where we are today is we're we're agnostic to that. You know, if if they have a if specific it happens, you need, don't care. yeah, uh huh, yeah. If they have a specific need that that full that person fits full time, and it's a great opportunity for them, we applaud that. Keep your variable profile. You know, go, go work. You know, if you need more work on the variable platform, we're here for you. Um, it's kind of the same thing as as for the businesses when they ramp up and ramp down their workforces. If there's a week they're not using us, it means their demand is is exactly the way they predicted, right? Same thing. Well, it for sounds like if workers. It sounds like if I was an employer, I would want to use your service as a way to potentially find employees, right? Hey, they come in for a couple of days. I see if they do a good job, and then if they do a good job, I'm going to make them a offer to be full time. Like I think I would be trying to use your your platform for that, even though it's not necessarily what you you want. But it gets sure. me using it too, right? Like I'm using it because of it. Yeah, no, not, that's true. And some people use it for that. Some people use it and hire a few people. We again, we we we're pretty we're pretty open to that. And what we can do in the interim when you're you know when you're doing that is explain, hey, you need to think about this a little bit differently because although you hire this person full time, when your demand drops next week, right? You know, you're probably going to consider firing someone, or you're going to be paying someone to not do anything. And so we kind of help to educate yeah. like how to optimize the workforce around that. And the second thing I'll say is that some operators don't want that full-time op- offer. They've been offered a full-time role at some of these companies they work for. And they say, no, I get way more flexibility and pay through variables. So I'm going to stick with the platform. And so Which that makes it, total it, sense. And, and on the other side, on the employer side, if I got to worry about uh, hiring people full-time and firing them and un- paying unemployment and, you know, certain state rules and whatever, like I may not be able to fire them or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it makes total sense too, that they wouldn't necessarily always do that. So they, they, they like having the on-demand side of it for people to scale up and down. Absolutely. Um, so once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by FullScale, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Um, we can help you scale up and down your software development team. We're, we're the variable of software development, I guess. Um, so you can find uh, Startup Hustle on Facebook. Look for the Startup Hustle uh, chat. There's a lot of amazing entrepreneurs on there. Um, it's a great place to meet other like-minded individuals. Um, we also have a YouTube channel. Um, you can check us out. And if you enjoyed today's show, please give us a, a five-star review. We appreciate that. Um, Noah, any any parting thoughts as we as we wrap this up for other entrepreneurs out there that are you know, thinking about, you know, starting their next thing or, or looking for advice, looking to learn? Sure. No, I, I think the only thing that I would say to entrepreneurs is just do it. Just start and do it now. If I could go back and do anything differently, I would have started way earlier and um, and, and would have really given a lot of things a shot that I, that I didn't. And I was too busy doing other things. So just do it. Get out there. Give it a shot. Learn fast and, and iterate. And by the way, I'm, so I'm a software guy and, um, the thought of doing hardware and having to manufacture my own hardware, by the way, has always scared the shit out of me. I would never want to do that. <laughs> I have so many horrors of manufacturing hardware. Yeah. Uh, luckily, luckily you don't have to deal with that. You're, you're helping probably a different kind of manufacturing mostly, but, um, but yeah, as a software guy, like I always run into running a few different startups that do hardware, like, you know, wearable sensors or all sorts of different mm-hmm. things. It's like, manufacturing man that's a whole different, yeah. whole different <laughs> not thing. my gig so, either not my gig either yeah. for sure <laughs> all 
All right. Well, good luck to you and, and your business and um, con- congratulations. And it sounds like you're solving a real problem and you're also going to solve a problem for my nephew. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go contact his butt right now and tell him to get to work. So I'm so glad that I talked to you today. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. This has been All a right. blast. All right. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.